This is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm excited to be here tonight because uh, we have a special guest on who hasn't been on in quite a long time, and truthfully, he's been missed. And um, if you have never had a chance to listen to David Murray, well, you're going to be in for a treat tonight. And the reason you're going to be in for a treat is because the words that he's going to share with you tonight will make a difference in your life. And I, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, just wait and listen, because I can just explain to you, I shared this a long time ago on this program, but I want to share with this with you right now. A couple years back, it was about three or four years, somewhere around there, maybe, I don't, I don't remember the exact time frame now, it might have been longer, maybe 2018 or so, maybe it was farther than I thought. And I was mowing the grass, listening to David Murray speak on a program about pride. And I was driving around, you know, listening to it and everything. And he was saying all this stuff. And of course, I truly believed I was humble. I really did. I didn't think I had any problem with pride. Well, at that time, some people were attacking me. I was attending a church group back then, and um, they were attacking me and I was devastated and crushed by it and couldn't believe it because I had not done anything wrong to these people. In fact, I tried to help them, but there was some nepotism in this group and um, there was some jealousies and things going on. And so I was truly, as I thought, the victim until I was listening to David Murray speak about pride. And he said, you know, told about knew when it was a problem. He said, when you know that you love men's, the attention of men, and of course, I thought, I don't love the attention and praise of men. I, I'm the opposite. And I remember he said, when you don't have it, you're crushed by it. And I'll tell you, folks, I'm so glad I was not driving by a ditch because I may have put my lawnmower right into it. And it was like out of nowhere, the Lord broke through, knocking hard at, at, at the brain, the door of my brain saying, hey. Buddy, I've been trying to get a hold of you. You got a real problem. You love the praise of men, and you don't even realize it. The Lord broke through so powerfully that day, and I'm forever thankful for it. And I asked Brother David if he would come on tonight, and he's agreed. Um, we were trying to have it the other week, but he didn't have release to come on um from the lord and and he does now and i'm excited to have him so with no further ado i will bring him on to the show brother david are you here with me i am here frank can you hear me okay yes yes okay. brother thank you for being here i had to share that story of some years ago because that was my first real interaction with who david murray was thank god we became friends after that <laughs> Oh, because I might have had to send you a bill if I would have wrecked that lawnmower um, that day. <laughs> but but that was a that was a powerful moment, and I knew I wanted to be your friend. I wanted to know you. I knew that that I wanted to get to know who this guy was. And so, brother, I just thank our heavenly Father 
for our friendship over the years. I, I guess that was back farther than what I thought. It was at least 2018, maybe even 17. Yeah, it is. It's it's going on a little yeah. while now. Yeah. 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 And so I I'm praise God. Brother, I, I know you've got a message and I want to jump right into it. And I want to okay. share some things just so people can keep up with about your blog. Cause I know that you just recently blogged on there and people are going to want to check that out. But I'm going to ask if you could open up the remnant call with a word of prayer. I'd be honored, Frank. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the honor and the privilege of, of being able to share with the brothers and sisters that are joining us, the brothers and sisters that are coming here, that are coming to Remnant Call Radio, that are seeking you, Lord God. I thank you that these words would be your words. Whatever is not of you would fall to the ground, Father, that you work through imperfect vessels, that we are all in this journey and process toward walking and growing into the full statue and nature of Jesus Christ. We're in this together. Thank you for the blessing and the privilege, the honor of still being able to share openly in this land. Thank you that we would not squander the time when we can openly share, Lord God. Mm. I thank you for the honor and privilege of bringing forth your love, your truth, your words tonight, Lord God. Amen. Thank you for Frank. I thank you for this remnant call radio. Thank you for his friendship. And I thank you above all for your word, piercing all of our hearts, mine included tonight, Lord God, the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother, for sharing. Um, David, just share for a second. You write from time to time and uh, share some stuff on your blog. How do people find out what's going on with David Murray? I have a, a, a WordPress blog. It's dwmurray.com, uh, dot com. I say that because so many times people can't find it because I have a, a weird spelling of my last name. Uh, and that's where I, you know, I have different sections on it, you know, topical teachings, time with the Lord. Uh, I don't like to use the word prophecy because it's it's gotten so abused and misused. I, my definition of prophecy is things of Father's heart revealed. Um, so I share as, as the Lord lays some things on my heart. And uh, as he is convicting and, and doing a work in me, I try to pass that along. He's got his hands full with me, and I share a lot of that on my blog. Amen. Folks, it's worth going to. And um, I know this program, we talk a lot about the end times. And I know that we talk a lot about the current events that are going on. But David's on this program for another reason. David's on this program because there are things bigger than just the end of times. There are things bigger than China and Russia. There are things bigger out there that we need to deal with. And and this relationship and this walk and this understanding the times from our Heavenly Father and what's on His heart is so much bigger than what you see on the news. And it means so much more than what is going on right now in the world. And so I want David to come on and share with you because, folks, what matters is your soul. What truly matters is salvation in Jesus. All the rest of the stuff will catch on fire. It will burn up. It will come to an end. And, it, and, it's, and it's going to be gone. But the truth is, the Lord will remain forever, and his word will not change, and his truths 
are everlasting. And so, brother, with that, I am going to turn over this program to you. Thank you, Frank. Brothers and sisters, I'm honored to come on tonight. It's been a while since since uh, I've had the honor and the privilege of being on here. And, and for those of you that uh, have never joined in before, thank you for taking the time to to listen to some of what's going to be shared tonight. And it's funny because um, Frank mentioned that, you know, the timing and the, and the seasons. And it's funny because when, you know, brother Frank asked me to come on, one of the things that I have on my heart and has been on my heart to share on is understanding father God's timing. And I've really have felt a burning on that heart because one of the areas that the body of Christ um, is really in need of understanding, there's a lack of understanding timing. And one of the reasons why we struggle as the body of Christ to understand the timing of God and the seasons of God and what's going on um, is because timing and understanding his timing, understanding the kingdom of heaven and how it's moving and advancing toward the full prophecy and reconciliation of all things back to his heart. Um, we have to understand his heart. And so as I was working this out with the Lord, he said, it's, it's I, you're not speaking on timing right now. Before we can talk about timing, I want you to share on on my heart, I want you to share in three things, repentance, revival, and the remnant. And I was like, oh, Lord, I re I just really don't want to talk about these things. Mm. Uh, I really don't. I really want to get into the meat of flowing with the Holy Spirit. I want to get into the meat of, of, of hearing God's heart, of the timing of the Lord, of moving in some of the deeper things of the kingdom, of understanding different aspects of, of how your heart works. And, and he said, David, we can't talk about any of these things until the body of Christ understands my heart. And that starts with first repentance. Now I'm going to, I'm going to ask all of you to just kind of, you know, hold on, jot down some notes or, you know, press pause. If you're listening to this afterwards and just take notes and just invite the Holy spirit into, um, into your belief system. You know, whenever we try to validate um, our belief system, it leads into error. When we spend time with the Lord, the number one thing we do is we clear our plate and we say, Lord, show me your heart and prove it out in your word. But if I go to the Lord saying, oh, God, this is what I believe. And now I'm going to I'm going to prove this out through my scripture. That's how we get into some crazy winds of doctrine. Uh, and that comes back to the motives of our heart. And that's what we're, getting, what we're going to get into, really. Uh, we talk about we can't talk about revival without talking about repentance. And we can't talk about repentance unless we first understand what we're called to repent of. And if we truly don't understand what the word repentance means, then we've got nowhere to start with. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to work backwards at first. What is biblical repentance? What is it? Uh, the Hebrew word is teshuva. The, the literal Hebrew word means to turn as if turning back to something you've strayed or looked away from. Okay. In the Greek, it's metaneal. It means repent, a change of mind to change, particularly the inner man in reference to the will of God. So the word in English, repent, means to change direction. This is very, very important because we think repentance means to feel sorry. Godly sorrow, godly grief is a byproduct of changing directions. Repentance is not sorrow. Repentance is a change in direction, and it begins with the inner man. 
the result of that, as we change directions, if we change from turning our back to the sun to face the sun, the sun on our heart, the sun on our face will cause our soul, our thoughts, our will, our emotions to come into alignment with his heart. And then we rejoice over what he rejoices and we grieve over what grieves him. And we begin to feel his heart, move in sync with his heart. And that's how in him we live and move and have our being. That's the heart of repentance. We should always have a repentant heart, a heart that is always looking to bend our heart, mind, will, emotions, and ultimately, the last byproduct, our intentions. So what is Father asking us in this hour to repent, to turn away from, and to turn toward? Because I do believe the spirit of repentance he is calling in this generation especially in the United States, he is calling the body of Christ to repentance. The Holy Spirit addresses this. The word tells us in Hebrews 5.12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So the crux on this with the writers, and really the Holy Spirit, right? We just say the Holy Spirit because this is all breathed from him. What the Holy Spirit is telling the body of Christ is if you are unskilled in righteousness, you're a child. That doesn't mean he loves us any less, right? That's a ridiculous notion. It means we are unskilled in the kingdom. Hebrews 10.10 goes on to say, for by which we were all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10.14, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And that verse is key. He has forever made us perfect those who are in the process of being transformed into his image. And that's the crux of what a lot of the body of Christ needs to repent of. We do not know this. We are attempting to find worth, to find validation, to find significance, trying to earn something from God that has already been freely given through the blood of Jesus Christ. Anything that attempts Amen. to add to the work, the accomplished work of Jesus Christ is idolatry and adultery. Ooh, yes. And, and well, we'll go on. Uh, everything, Paul's entire ministry was to carry on the good news of righteousness. Jesus talked about it in his entire earth ministry. And it was picked up by the apostle Paul and penned by the Holy Spirit. Everything that Paul taught was the good news it was the good news that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been declared righteous. And every place in the New Testament that discusses holiness, sanctification, justification, righteousness, all of these are Greek words that are used in courts of law. They are legal, judicious terms used in the Greek language. 
And why is that significant? Because one of the things I think that, that we, we as the body of Christ has, has forgotten about is that heaven is a kingdom. It's a real kingdom. It's not a bunch of fluffy clouds. There are courts. There are records. There are rooms of, of, um, of record keeping. There are rooms of courts. There are rooms of fellowship. There's rooms of intimacy. There's, there's stones, foundations. There's mansions. It's a real place. There is a kingdom, there is a king, there is a throne, there's a courtroom, there are war rooms. It, it is a real kingdom. And if we think as children, when we would read stories about kingdoms and we'd see those big glowing towers and spires and the flags, right? We think of a kingdom. Heaven is God's kingdom. And he has brought through the good news, the gift for us to walk in the authority of that kingdom. And it starts by beginning to recognize and accept that we are declared righteous in his eyes. So I'm going to go through some, some scriptures and I'm going to take a little bit of time here because this is going to be crucial for us to lay this foundation because everything hinges upon this. Romans 5.1. And we're just going to go through, breeze through some of the New Testament in order. Having been declared righteous then by faith, we have peace toward God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 17. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in him through the one man, Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians 6, 11, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. All these are past tense, guys. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the spirit of our God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. Ephesians 1, 4, according as he, as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, in which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Ephesians, uh, Colossians 1, 20, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, meaning his son Jesus, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And one of my favorite ones, we'll finish with this one, Colossians 1.21. You who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and unreprovable in his sight. See, many of us, are simply unaware, we're unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness. We don't understand what really took place on the cross. We make statements like, well, I'm saved, but I'm still a sinner. When throughout the new covenant, it says our identity is no longer tied to our actions. We've been made the righteousness of Christ. We can choose to live slaves to sin and the entire chapters of romans are dedicated to that since we are no, are dead to sin since we died to the old man 
since we no longer can, can, we are no longer attached, we are a new man in Christ Jesus, let us live according to our new identity. It'd be the same thing as if, if um, I struck uh, uh, oil, I found out that I would dealt down to, to dig a well, have a new water well, and instead I struck oil and someone came to me and says, David, I, we just found out here, you have billions of gallons of, of oil underneath your property, you're a billionaire. And instead of me saying, okay, uh, I'm going to inherit that, I'm going to say, no, I'm, I'm really poor. I'm, I'm really, I'm, no, I'm homeless. I'm poor. I have nothing. And they say, no, 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 no. You, this is yours. This was, this is given to you. This is a gift. We discovered this. This is great news. No, I'm going to continue to identify with myself according to who I was before I knew I had this. That's what many of us are doing in this hour. Many of us have received what we believe is salvation, not knowing that salvation is a byproduct of righteousness. Jesus didn't give us salvation. Let me finish this thought, please. Jesus did not give us salvation. He gave us the gift of righteousness. He made us holy and blameless which is why we can boldly go before the throne of grace, which is why we won't be burned up in his presence, which is why we are saved from the wages of sin, which is why we're not going to hell because we have been made blameless and we have been saved from hell through the gift of righteousness. So we have to stop. We have to make a choice to stop identifying ourselves as slaves to sin, as wretched people. And we need to begin to accept the reality that our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally. Our identity, who we are, has been made forever complete and sealed. We are His beloved we are holy. We are the apple of his eye. We are the center of his affection. I cannot add to how much he loves me, and he cannot love me any less. No matter how I choose to live is a different story. And and there's always, you know. David, can I say one thing about yes, this? Yes, Because you've inspired. Please. Okay, folks, this is a hard thing sometimes to understand because People read Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7. That's Paul's struggle, okay? But if you read right to chapter 8, is Paul's victory, okay? You can't live your whole life in Romans chapter 6 and 7. You have to live in chapter 8 where he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, okay? Those in Christ that live after the Spirit— and no longer, they don't live after the flesh anymore. If you read the progression, you'll see that Paul understood it and he got it and he began to live in the freedom of Christ and by the spirit instead of the carnal flesh. And I just, I just wanted to share that brother, because I feel like we, 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 we read six and seven and we're like, well, that's just, that's where we're bent to bound to be forever. And if we just went to chapter eight yeah. and realized there's victory for the believer. 
And, and since you touched upon that, Frank, I, I those passages are so near dear to my heart because they have been so mistaught and misinterpreted. So, brothers and sisters, if we go back into uh, Romans chapter seven, please notice every time Paul speaks of himself, who does he identify with? He identifies himself as a new man, and he says, "Sin wages against me, not." I am waging against God. The sin nature is no longer him. He identifies himself as the redeemed. And so as a redeemed child of God, he is in the process of sanctifying his walk. Why is that important? Because Paul does not identify himself as someone who's bound under sin. He he talks of the struggle, but he pushes the sin and the flesh from him. He points at it. And says, I, in my mind, want to please the Lord. I am the redeemed. And that sin, the flesh, is what I wage against. I wage against the flesh. And that's really important. Because then Paul, throughout the rest of his journey, continually discusses that process. And we cannot walk in who we're meant to be if we keep thinking that God sees us as these wretched people, it's blasphemy to the cross. It's to say what Jesus said he did is not true. Amen. Sorry, brother. I didn't mean to get you off track, but folks, there's some, some power that's just never hardly experienced. And brother David, you helped me understand this, the power of living in redemption. It's amazing. It's so much better Yeah. when the father says, I've redeemed you to live like you've been redeemed. And I'm going to let it go. I'm sorry. You just get me excited and fired up. No, here, no, no. That's, that's great, Frank. And again, to bookend that, you named it Romans 6 and 7. He mentions the struggle. But in Romans 5, he prefaces the entire context of that. A monologue that teaching with the fact that we've been declared righteous from one of the verses we read Romans 5 1 having been declared righteous then by faith we have peace toward God through our Lord Jesus Christ and then he goes on in five seventeen to talk more about righteousness so the reason why this is so important brothers and sisters is because if we do not change our belief systems if we do not begin to have the courage to roll up our sleeves and deal with our fear. What would be the fear? How could could this be fear? Well, if I dare to believe that God loves me unconditionally, does he really? What if I find out he doesn't? It's a lie. I, I want to believe he loves me and I'm special. But our entire world belief system, everything we've been taught, right? This world, when Adam forfeited and gave the keys to this kingdom to Satan, we entered into a works-based belief system that our worth is earned. Our worth comes from all of our strengths minus all of our weaknesses. And and the, the difference of that, the delta is how special we are. Another lie. I have to be loved and accepted by other people in order to feel in order to feel loved and valued. I have to be esteemed. I have to be approved by other men, or maybe it's the church. I want my titles. There are an awful lot of titles for the body of Christ that doesn't care about about what any man thinks or the church thinks. We use an awful lot of titles. 
instead of focusing on our function, we, we'd like to throw out titles. Or conversely, false humility. I'm not worth anything. I don't have any giftings. I have nothing. I'm nothing. I'm a wretch. God is everything. I'm a wretch. Well, that's, you know, that doesn't please God either. Because he died to make you blameless and holy. He died so that we can boldly have intimacy with him. See, here's something, again, in talking about doctrines, understanding the kingdom. It's a judicial system. The Holy Spirit cannot be in the presence of sin. God is an all-consuming fire of love. Love is manifested in holiness. God is love. Everything that's outside of love is sin. So the only way the Holy Spirit can dwell in us and make his home in us is if every part of our being in Father's sight says, you are like my son now. You are holy and blameless, redeemed. You're without spot or blemish. Once and for all, all sin has been paid for. I am going to live in you. And... (laughs) If, if, if we stubbornly refuse to believe that, we're just going to be beat up constantly by Satan's lies of shame, unworthiness. We're not worthy because we're worthy. We're worthy because he made us worthy. So to say I'm not worthy and to camp there is not honoring to God. It's actually borderline blasphemous of the cross. It doesn't honor God. It's not glorifying. That's false humility. That's not true humility. True humility is knowing your place and who God's place is. He is God. I am not. He has declared me holy and righteous. That's humility. Pride is to say, I will find worth or significance apart from God. That's what Satan tempted Adam with. That's what, that's what Adam looked at. He was not deceived. We like to talk about how Eve was deceived. Adam was worse. He knew the gig. He's like, you know, this Satan's got a, he's got a point. I've been complete. I've been given this whole earth, dominion, everything answers to me under God. But what would it be like for me to find an identity apart from God? That's pride. Whenever we say something that is different than what God's word has declared in us through the blood of Jesus Christ, that is pride. It doesn't matter if it looks humble to other people. It's the same thing. Pride is to find validation apart from what God has declared we are. Humility is to accept the truth of what he says about us. So we'll keep going from there. If we look at, so what is the crux of this repenting? What does it have to do with repenting of our belief system? Because what's so important is if we do not begin to Ask him to give us revelations of his love for us. If we do not begin to crack open our belief system so that the love of God flows from our spirit, man, into our soul, right? Our soul is defined as our mind, will, emotions, beliefs. Our soul is the gatekeeper. That's what quenches the Holy Spirit is because our soul acts as the gatekeeper. Yes, I will receive God's love. No, I will reject, reject God's love. And we say, well, I'm not rejecting God's love. Yeah, we do all the time. We live in it. We're steeped in a false belief system. This generation is steeped in shame and condemnation. And because of that, we're focusing on outward things to please God. Now, here's something that 
we'll often talk about, we talk about the Pharisees all the time, right? But think about this. The Pharisees did everything right. They didn't get drunk. They didn't commit adultery, right? They weren't engaged in porn. Why? Because their self-worth came from how outwardly perfect they are. They followed all 613 Mosaic laws plus several hundred they added. So if they did everything right, how come Jesus denounced them? Why did he say in Matthew 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you were like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. See, because Jesus on his earth ministry and the same as today, he's the say yesterday, today, yesterday, today and forever. He's not interested first in our outward conduct he's interested in our heart the heart is what comes first romans 12 2 says the only way we'll know his will is when we're transformed through the changing of our minds 2 corinthians 10 5 makes it very clear the battlefield is on the mind we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of christ if we just focus on outward things and don't let first God deal with us from the inside out, all we're doing is perfecting a Pharisee spirit. That doesn't honor God. There's no power of the gospel in it. Right? The New Testament even says the, the, the law of Moses was never even meant to come into account. It was added because of the sin and the, the sin and self-righteousness of man had come so strong, he had to give them laws that proved their heart needed to be redeemed. And if you look at all of the interactions and the parables that Jesus met with the people and talked about, Mark 10, 17 is the, the story of the rich man. He obeyed all the law of Moses. What happened? It says Jesus looked at him and loved him dearly and saw right into his heart and saw that there was something wrong with his heart. And the issue with that man was the love of money. In Luke 10, 25, the good Samaritan, or I like to call the good heathen, this was a man who did not have the law of Moses. A Samaritans were a corrupted form of idolatry. And yet Jesus talked about the love that motivated that Samaritan's actions. Luke 5.11, the wayward son, the prodigal son. A father in, in Israeli times, those ancient Hebrew times, would never get off of their seat and run after the son that disowned his name. Never. When Jesus said that parable, it was so offensive. We have no English, because our culture has been so watered down. We have no sense of decorum. We're lucky if we even hold the door open for a woman today. The, the, for Back then, for a man to hear a story of a son who disowned him, and back then when the son says, give me your inheritance, it was a legal transaction. It said, you are dead to me, dad. And for a, a son to come, when the father sees him down the road and to get up and go run to him a long ways off, his, his servants, his friends, his neighbors would have laughed at him, ridiculed him, called him a fool. He would have lost all respect and place of honor in his community. 
And when Jesus spoke that, the people listening understood what that parable was saying. It's completely lost on us. That's love. And Revelations 2.2, I'm going to read that real quick, just hammering home. Jesus is interested in getting a hold of our hearts. Talking to the, the, the believers at Ephesus, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. Sounds like us today. Look, I'm talking about how evil America is. And you have been and you have been tested, those who say they're apostles and have not, and you have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience, and have you labored for my namesake, have not become weary. Nevertheless, I hold this against you. You have turned from your first love. You guys, it, it, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what we do on the outside. Until we begin to reconcile, we are loved. That he died for us. When we hated him, he died for us. He saw you and me before the beginning of time and said, I love that child. I am going to die for that child. We cannot love the lost until we first learn to love ourselves. And before we can do that, we have to first accept how much our God and creator and savior and counselor and dad loves us. We can only give what we possess. The Lord is calling us to repent of the lies of Satan about ourselves. He's calling us to cry out for a revelation of his love for us. Only the transformation of the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, and the belief systems, that's, that's the seat of our being. That's the seat of our relationship. That defines the level of intimacy or the lack of intimacy we have. That defines whether or not we can experience the, rea the spiritual reality and feel the presence of his love. The reality of his affection for us, that's what causes us to share the good news. The love of God has been shut abroad in our hearts. I love how Rich Mullins, for those, those of you who know, Rich Mullins was a singer, passed away a number of years ago. He was an incredible prophet, true man who just spoke the prophecies of God's heart through music. And he called it the reckless raging fury that they call the love of God. And so I am challenging us. Can we relate to that? Can we define his feelings toward us as the reckless raging fury of his love? How real is that to us? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. 2 Corinthians 4, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks within his heart, so he is. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that whatever we build our foundation on will be tested in fire. 
And it doesn't say the works are what's going to be burned up. It's the motive of the works. It's what has built on survives. If we're building things on wood, hay, and stubble, what are we building on? Motives that aren't coming at birth from his heart. What are things that are built on with gold, silver, and costly stones? What is the motive that is driving us? That is what's going to be tested and purified by fire. So the crux of this is Father is calling his church. He's calling his sons and daughters to repent of our beliefs that are out of alignment with his truth about us. We're to repent in our belief systems. We need to begin to grasp a hold of the doctrine of righteousness. And only then can we do the second thing that he's requiring us. We're to repent of not having love. We do not love. Jesus said in Matthew 22, speaking about these times, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. See, the, 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 those that, that had a relationship with God before the Mosaic law was given, they already knew this. They knew this already. They lived out of relationship with God. They loved the Lord and they loved other people. The law was given because our love began to grow cold. John 13, he continues again, a new commandment I give you. Remember, why is this so important? Because they already had 613 laws. He was talking to Jews under the Mosaic dispensation. New commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 15, this is my commandment. Again, he says it, that you love one another as I have loved you. He's calling us to change our belief system and to begin to return to our first love. And we do this by accepting his gift of love. And then we are called to love one another as he loves us. See, one of the things that Jesus talked about, now talk, this takes us to the, the final part. We're going to move through this much more quickly. Is We talk about revival. What's very important to understand is that the lost don't get revived. The only people that can get revived are those that have life. The church is what's in need of revival. The lost need to be resurrected. They're dead in their trespasses, just as we once were. And for many of us, we should thank God we're already born again if we have received the gift of righteousness and salvation. Because who would go knock on our doors today? How many brothers and sisters do we know that are knocking on our neighbor's doors to share the love of God so that they don't go to hell? Imagine if, imagine if we were lost right now. How much confidence do we have that someone loves the Lord so much that they will love a wicked neighbor that you know does all sorts of things that 
certainly none of us struggle with. Who would rescue us? But we have the mentality, oh, God bless us, mom and Tim and dad and Jim, us four, no more. That's that's all. That's all. America is going to hell. Congratulations. That's on our head. <laughs> the blood, the lost, those in hell in this generation, we are accountable for it. The Great Commission, not only is it not rescinded, that Jesus warned in the end times, Matthew 24, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Well, number one, again, doctrinally understand, only the born-again believer has the love of God shed and brought in her heart. The world does not have God's love. Think about what we talk about today. Think of how weary we are because of the increase of sin. We, the church talks about it all the time. That's what we talk about. The lost are lost. Y- y- yes, they're lost. And the darkness of Satan's kingdom, the dominion of the outnumbered one-third dumber angels, it, their, their evil is growing so strong as they continue to hurl further and further away of God's light that those that don't know the love of God don't have a chance. They are surrounded by evil, by demons, hell-bent literally to throw them into hell. And their blood, Father, has entrusted that to us. He's entrusted his love for the lost that he sent his son to die for. To us. There's no plan B. And we just simply will not love enough to do anything about it until we accept and dare to step out and forsake that those who role model conditional love and a conditional value and our intelligence or our looks or our fame or our popularity or our blogs or our likes or our social media all these things are idols because i am the redeemed of the lord i am the righteousness of christ i am holy and blameless The body of Christ is holy and blameless. We have to choose to accept that in order to even have a chance of feeling his love for us. And if we don't have a love for the lost, it's because he's calling us to look at the condition of our own walk with him. And it's not about works. It's not about self-control. And this is where I always get people to say, well, you know, David, what are you saying? It's okay to sin. And my goodness, that's such a silly, out of context response to what I'm saying. Galatians 6, 8 Mary, makes it very clear. If you sow to sin, you're going to reap the whirlwind. I've got no interest in seeing how far I can get before I flop over the fence. No interest. Romans 2 says, do you despise the riches of his love and forbearance, not knowing it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It's not the laws of God that lead us to repentance. His commandment is to love him and to love one another as he loves us. And that is so foreign to so many of us. Such a different language. It's, it's, a, it's a heavenly language. 
and we've learned a demonic language and belief system. The increase of wickedness has overtaken the body of Christ. We have forfeited our joy. Many of us have never forfeited our identity. We've never been taught it. I don't have time to go through the history of the church. Many of us, we were never even taught the doctrine of righteousness. And now that, that the lost are being the lost, the onslaught of Satan on this nation is crumbling the lost around us. And the church is pointing the finger with Satan, accusing God's lost sheep. And we think Father is, is pleased with that? We need to reread the parable of the sheep and the goats. <laughs> we need to reread where Jesus talks about our reward seed. When he talks about, hey, have you given a cup of water to me? Because if you haven't done to the least of them, you've rejected me. Well, we don't, we don't want to read that because we're hurting. We're hurting inside. We're scared. We're afraid. We want Jesus to come back because we're scared and afraid and we don't know his love. And Frank and I, before the broadcast, we were talking about missionaries. Right? We're talking about people that they, they can only give what they have. The, the, the first century church, right? They remained faithful to what Jesus said. Go rescue the lost sheep. Go get my children back. And they did it to the point of being tortured and died. And the church today, our love has grown cold. We do not care who's going to hell by and large. We do not care about our neighbor. Why are we not going next door? Why aren't we seeing a stranger at the street corner and asking if we can pray for them? How hard is that? Because it's not on our mind. It's not on our mind because it's not on our heart because we don't feel his love for us. And that's what he's calling us to repent of. And that will release revival within our walk. And the mark of true revival when the church is reviving and is experiencing the manifest presence of his love is people will be won into the kingdom. And that's biblical revival. Everything else is fluff. That's why we'll see something take place very short period of time and then it stops. Because if we think revival is just repenting of lust and pornography and drinking and smoking, good luck. How long is that going to last? That's, that's called self-control. And if it's not birthed from us touching Father's heart and letting his heart touch our heart and change us to where we have a revelation of Jesus Christ and his love for us, that revival is of the soul. It will not last and people will not come to Christ because I will very quickly stop caring. Looking like Jesus isn't about what we do with our body. It's the manifest glory of the sons of God on the earth. When the two of the disciples were brought before the Sanhedrin and they're whipped and flogged, right? And they said they took note that Peter, John, that these men were with Jesus. Why did they take note? Because they weren't drinking or smoking? Because they were so eloquent in their speech? No, it's because they were just down the street five minutes ago healing people.
They were bringing people to Christ. They were winning souls. And the Pharisees took note. These guys are doing the same thing that that guy we just killed did. That's revival. Revival isn't about a feel-good, repent, I'm such a wicked man, I'm going to throw out my this magazine and throw out that, and I'll try to just do better for the next year. We need to ask God to touch our hearts and change our thinking and repent of the lies that we've grown up with as believers. And those that do that will remain faithful to the commission. That's the remnant. It's very simple. Let's get into all the books, the prophecies, and Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and, and Jeremiah. No, 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 no. Are we remaining to what Jesus said when he went up to heaven? All authority has been given to me. Go make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in my love. So I know, brothers and sisters, that's a lot. I know it's a paradigm shift. Lord also knows it's not popular because it it will rock our world. It is a scary thing to think, wait, I can't have God love me more. Wait, I'm going to stop letting fear motivate me to not engage in all sorts of lusts of the body. It's funny because Galatians 5, 19 and 20 talks about all these lusts of the flesh. We like to say lusts of the flesh. There's 18 different words used. Only five of them deal with the body. The other 13 deal with the heart. Again and again and again and again, the scriptures talk about transforming the heart. And we, because of a fallen demonic belief system that we never repented of because many of us never heard the truth. We just think it's about actions. When, if we just think logically, the Pharisees already did it. You can't, we, we can't be better than the Pharisees. They nailed it. And Jesus tore that demonic system down. And that's why in their minds, they killed him. You got to die anyway. It wouldn't make a difference, right? <laughs> so we don't need to go there. We're already there. We don't need to graduate from the pharisaical school. Touch his heart. Let him touch our hearts. Let it transform our thinking. David Wilkerson, right? So we love David Wilkerson. He's dead now, so his words can't bother us anymore because he's not around to make us uncomfortable. We will talk to anyone we want as long as they're dead. Don't don't challenge us when we're alive. And he said, a holy remnant, we're going to do exploits and shake hell literally. And that's never changed. Those that remain in God's love will love the lost to the point of death. So before we can talk about timing or anything else that's going on, the immediate timing is God is calling the church home. True revival will see Jesus manifested in someone's body. I see Jesus in you. You have something I don't have. I want that. I feel something around you. Tell me what you have. 
And then, guys, it gets even fun. We haven't even talked about how the Holy Spirit is alive and powerful in a living river. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, talking to strangers about things unknown. I mean, ever get? Ever, I mean, imagine what it'd be like to go up to a stranger and say, "You're going to think this is weird, but I have a relationship with Jesus." And I, I know you think this is weird, but do you have do you have any kidney stones that have been hurting you? Would you be offended if I prayed for you? And then for them to say, yeah, I do have kidney stones. Well, praise God, let me pray for you. And the pain goes away and you lead them to Christ. If that sounds radical, it's because there's something wrong with the body of Christ. We're sick. Brother, I, I got to share something. I was in North Carolina. I was coming out of a subway some years back. I got in my vehicle. I was getting ready to leave. And such a heavy burden came down on me to go back inside and I was I was fighting it and finally I I got back up and and I walked inside and I just looked at the guy that was doing my made my sandwich and I just said God's been the Lord's trying to get a hold of you and I don't remember even what else I said but I do remember the look on this guy's face told me everything I needed to know and I walked back out of there. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that guy. All I know is that the Lord wanted me to go in there and tell him that. I couldn't leave. I wanted to go. <laughs> but I knew that I should walk back in there. And I just, I didn't even know what I was going to really say. I just walked in there and it just came out. And Praise I God. think that's what you're trying to, folks. There is no greater joy in your walk than when you lead somebody to Jesus, somebody to the Father, and watch their lives transform. I just, you'll never understand it until you've been a part of it. And therefore, you've never, I'm telling you, folks, you've never experienced deep joy until you've seen somebody surrender their life to Christ. It's, it's glorious. It's the greatest feeling ever. I, I don't even know how to express it, except for, you now I've shared this program, I think years ago I shared about my buddy Robbie. His mother was the greatest Bible study I ever did with somebody in my life because she knew nothing about the Bible, absolutely zero. I didn't have to break through any dogma, no teachings, no false teachings, no anything. We just, David, we opened up the Bible and we read it. I read, just went through all the big major stories and we, and it was like discovering things as a kid for the first time, right? <laughs> yep. She dies. Okay. A little later on. And I was standing at the front of that funeral doing it for their mother. And both her sons, they just came up. They put my arms, their arms around me, and we cried. And all they could talk about was that their mother had met Jesus. And yes, she was gone. But what meant something to them was that they would see her again. That's all I cared about. Amen. I wouldn't trade that one moment. 
or those years that constantly going over there to study the word with her all the time through the week. And sometimes, folks, it wasn't always convenient. But that's one soul more in the kingdom. Frank, can I add worth every bit? Yes. As as you're sharing in the Holy Spirit is prompting me to say this note, because whenever whenever the seed is sown, Satan is there to rob it. So, brothers and sisters, this message is not a message of condemnation, just the opposite. It is a message that no matter what we think or believe or have thought or believed, he loves you unconditionally. And he wants to get into an intimate relationship with you. He wants to set you free from the lies of condemnation and shame and conditional love and acceptance and conditional value. That is not the kingdom of our father. That is not our father's kingdom. And there is no shame on you. None. So it doesn't matter where any of us are on this journey. Please hear and know there is. he loves you. Doesn't matter. We, we can cry out, Lord, I don't have love. I don't have love for my neighbor. I don't have love for the lost. I, I, I have such little love for X, Y, Z. That's okay. Meaning he loves you unconditionally. You can explore that with him and cry out to him knowing there's no shame. Please bear that in mind as you listen to this and mull this over with the Lord and get into the scriptures. He loves us always and forever. So thank you, Frank. I just, I knew that had I had to pierce through that lie that's going to hit so many people listening to this. So thank you. Amen. Folks, God's got really big shoulders, <laughs> bigger than we'll ever have. And he can handle our shortcomings in talking about it. Like David was saying, it's okay to come to your father and say, Lord, I'm terrible at loving other people. Lord, I, I, I just need your help. God, I'm so hard to other people. I, my heart, heart is so rocky and stony, Lord. Lord, I don't even want to pray with you right now. I'm asking you to change me, Lord. God can handle, God already knew you didn't want to pray. Okay, it's all right. Now you're coming and saying, Lord, I don't want to pray. He's like, you know what he's saying? Yeah, I already know that. I already know that. I've been watching you for quite a while. Since you were born, actually before that. And God can work through. It's that inner honesty and safety of being in his presence that he will birth something new and exciting in an intimate walk with him. That's why the Bible thought Jesus says it's time to come back to your first love. The Lord's not calling you away. No, he's, it's the opposite. He's calling you back. And maybe you've never experienced it. He wants you to experience it. And David, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. These things are so much more kingdomly than the last day's messages we talk about on here, folks. Because all this doesn't matter if you walk out the door tomorrow and you're hit by a car. That was your last day. That was your in your end times was walking out that door. But if you have this message of this freedom 
and Christ and living by the spirit and stop being beat by the flesh. God will take care of the fleshly issues. He's a specialist at that. He's not going to, this is no kind of message of saying you can live how you want. It's what it's trying to say is focus on the savior, focus on our heavenly father, and he will take care of the other stuff. That's why the Bible said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things shall be added unto you, not get your life perfect. And then you can come. I don't, I don't find that anywhere in the scripture. I find the polar opposite. Even when God takes his final judgment in this world, your heavenly father will have zero pleasure in it. He will not enjoy it one bit. Because his desire was the exact opposite, even for those who deserve it. Which has been all of us. Brother, thank you. I don't know what else to say. Thank God, I should say. Thank our Heavenly Father for this message tonight. An honor, Frank. Honor to be on here. I look forward to uh, to, to being on here again with you. Absolutely. Part two coming soon, folks. Okay? <laughs> Just chalk that one up and, and know that this kingdom things are so much more valuable than simply knowing about what's going on in the news. Because the person who's struggling... Brother, I was just in with some people. We were walking around the neighborhoods, this neighborhood, and just knocking on people's doors, talking, ask if we could pray with them. The hurt, it's unreal. People are devastated right now. And they're wondering if they've even got a friend out there that cares. And we asked people if we could pray for them, most of them. We're fine with that. Actually excited. No problem. Folks, don't give up. God's not giving up on you. He promised to save the best wine for last. I would just be willing to say, you haven't seen anything yet. You truly haven't. Brother, God bless you, and thank you for coming on the Remnant Call. Um Please, brother, explain your share your blog one more time so they don't get your last name wrong. I know we'll have it up here <laughs> at dwmurry.com. And uh, there's a the feast of things that lead us to, toward his throne room. And, and to get to what Frank said, my prayer for all of us is that we get a revelation of his love because that's mm. the empowerment that allows us to live by the power of the kingdom. And so, please, I would be honored if you'd stop by and came by there on anyone, dwmurray.com. Mm, amen. Well, God bless you all. Please keep up with what's going on with David. We'll have him back on here soon. And I want to just encourage everybody. This is the hour. God has called us to something bigger, something greater. And that's sharing the good news with Jesus is coming again. The Heavenly Father loves you and he died for you. This is the most important thing. Folks, God wants his kingdom full. Yeah, I remember my friend, he told his brother when his brother died, he says, I'm not going to say goodbye. I'll see you later. What a beautiful thing. My grandfather, brother, right as he was ready to pass, I wanted to have that talk with him because my granddad was a devout believer, but he, he had some later in life, he got into the science world and some struggles and things. 
And I just said, Granddad, I want to be with you again one day. And I remember, brother, he said to me, he said, I'm planning on a big boy. Every, nothing else mattered, brother. Yeah. But that we could be together again in the kingdom one day. Thank you so much. God bless everybody. This is Brother Frank and Brother David Murray on the Remnant Call. Saying to everyone, good night and shalom. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.